The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. What if some of the biblical prophecies most feared by fundamental Christians have already happened? What if the imaginings of a future evil are already here in so universally accepted a way that they're not even acknowledged? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. The Book of Revelation, the exciting conclusion to the New Testament. Was it an ill-conceived Christianization of an older Jewish apocalyptic text? Was it a diatribe against Roman persecutors? Or was it the God-given visions of St. John sitting in a cave while God opened his eyes to visions of the end times? Or perhaps, was it all of these together? There was a recent report on Yahoo.com of an alleged killer in Omaha who carved the satanic number 666 into his forehead. Unfortunately, he used a mirror to do it, so his affirmation of the beast turned out reversed. Instead of 666, he managed to carve DDD on his forehead, which could be pronounced duh for more reasons than one. For all the alarm fans of the Bible's book of Revelation raise about a mark of the beast in our future, I thought I'd give you my theory and why I think 666 may have already established itself so thoroughly in our lives that a chip in our hand will only be a refinement to a fait accompli. For the few out there who don't know about it, uh, let me say there is a chapter, chapter 13 in the Bible's prophetic last book, the book of Revelation, that has been the source of speculation for nearly 2,000 years. It tells of two beasts. The first is the beast out of the sea with several horns and heads and looking like a leopard with the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. These characteristics are usually considered symbols of what the beast re represents. This beast is supposedly a person called the Antichrist who comes to do the work of Satan in the world. We learn this in chapter 13, verse 2, where we are told that Satan, uh, here described as the dragon, gives the beast his power and his throne and his great authority. Now, in this discussion, we have to differentiate between the two beasts being talked about in chapter 13 in order to put an apparently common misunderstanding to rest. It seems to me, at least, that the number 666 does not refer to the Antichrist beast described in the beginning of chapter 13. Uh, I think it refers to beast number two, the beast out of the earth. And here it might be useful to pick up your Bible and read Revelation chapter 13. And beginning with verse 11, where we're introduced to the beast out of the earth, which is the thing that empowers the Antichrist, let me read you some of that. The second beast was empowered to give life to the image of the first beast, so that it could speak and could cause all those who did not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He also caused everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to obtain a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. Thus, no one was allowed to buy or sell things 
unless he bore the mark of the beast, that is, his name or his number. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has insight calculate the beast's number, for it is man's number, and his number is 666. Now this comes from the New English Translation, which is a uh, an excellent translation, a newer version of uh, some of the older translations of the Bible. The text is telling us here that it is the beast from the earth, <clears throat> that is the second beast, that was empowered, quote, that was empowered to give life to the image of the first beast, unquote, who carries this name, this ominous name of 666. Well, you may ask, why is this important, and what kind of a name is 666 anyway? Well, over the centuries, many theories have sprung up to answer that question, and it would probably pay to briefly make reference to, to some of them. What is the meaning of 666? Well, when I took a Bible studies class at Columbia University back in the 60s, appropriately enough, I was taught it was the, numer- the num- numerical translation for Nero, emperor of Rome, and sworn enemy to Christians. He actually made torches of Christians, it is said, putting them on crosses, dousing them with something flammable, and setting them on fire. Uh, uh, one theory had it that he, was, he would lit his parties this way. Other Christians he had torn apart by dogs. So he would have felt right at home with ISIS. The suggestion that the Emperor Nero is 666 is based on historical facts and comes out of the Christian scholarly point of view called preterism. First, Nero's name, Neron Kaisar, transliterated into Hebrew, comes out 666. And I should probably preface this by saying that uh, in Hebrew, as in some other languages, uh, the uh, number and the letter correspond so that in English, for instance, A would be equal to 1, B would be equal to 2, C would be equal to 3, and so forth. Second, the reign of the Antichrist for 42 months, as told in Revelation 13, verse 5, matches the three-and-a-half-year reign of Nero. Uh, That would not be a, a small coincidence. And third, the statement in Revelation 13.10 that, quote, if anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed, unquote, was true for Nero. According to Wikipedia, Tertullian reported Nero was, quote, the first to assail the Christian sect with the imperial sword. And then, at the age of 30, he committed suicide by the sword. Preterism offers or other rather convincing evidence that Revelation chapter 13 is about Nero, which brings me to an old cliché, those who forget history are condemned to repeat it. For a long time, I felt that the Bible could be telling historic tales with prophetic overtones. In other words, the Antichrist was then, is now, and will be, right down to the details, such as 666. Many fundamental Christians don't care much about history and are always trying to fit the number 666 to current perceived antichrists, especially political leaders like uh, Putin or even President Obama, people they disagree with politically and so uh, conjure up uh, a way of connecting 
this ancient prophecy to somebody they consider to be the real Antichrist. In the past, people tried different spellings of the Prophet Muhammad's name, for example, trying to make the number 666 fit him, or Napoleon, or Hitler, but without much success. Protestant reformers, such as John Wycliffe and Martin Luther and even Isaac Newton, the scientist Isaac Newton, who was very interested in Bible and Bible prophecy and even in uh, in Bible codes. He was the first, I think, to look for Bible codes, in at least in the Christian tradition. Tried tying Revelation's monsters to uh, the Catholic popes or to the history of the church, the Catholic church. And some of that goes on even to this day. And then in his book, Death in the Air, it was published around 2001, there's a Dr. Leonard Horowitz who attributed the 666 to Henry Kissinger's name. I think just the last name. I think just Kissinger. And also, interestingly, to the word vaccination. And he pointed out in his book that Kissinger was a key advisor to Merck Pharmaceutical. Um, more interestingly, to my way of thinking, there is also an Internet site uh, called BibleProbe.com that claims the Bible code skip searches of the Torah. And as I was trying to explain earlier, a Bible code skip search is when you take, say, every third word or every fourth word uh, and see if um, the, well, every third or fourth letter, which uh, often makes up words, and these words often make up uh, incomplete sentences, and it's considered a, a, f- a form of prophecy that was not really um, utilized or discovered until the computer came into into play, because then, of course, it was easy to do this kind of a search. Uh, if Isaac Newton had had it, he would have discovered uh, Bible code skip searches. But anyway, this uh, this site, BibleProbe.com, claims that the Bible code skip searches of the Torah reveal every 666th letter spells out the phrase, Satan the Accuser. And they say, they claim this recurs uh, seven times in the Torah text. But even if you could make the letters of certain names fit the numbers, none of it matters if all these suppositions do not fit the uh, meaning of what the passage says, namely that 666 is not the name of the Antichrist, but the servant of the Antichrist, the, the thing which empowers him. Now here I should point out that uh, the older Bible translations say that uh, 666 is, quote, the number of a man. But the original Greek uh, had no of a in the text. It was more like a uh, number man or uh, man's, man's number. So the later translations make another point. It's, it's not the number of a man, but man's number, mankind's number. Mankind's number, numerologically speaking, is six because we were created on the sixth day, according to Genesis. And six also happens to be the number of uh, incompleteness. In numerology, to repeat something three times is to make it manifest. Thus, incomplete mankind made manifest is 666. Wikipedia offers another branch of belief about the beasts of Revelation 13. Um, which they call idealism. And uh, here, let me quote that source from Wikipedia. 
The idealist interpretation of the beast from the earth is that it represents religious, cultural, and economic powers within society, which work to compel people to give their allegiance to the state or governmental powers. This was first expressed in the imperial cult of Rome, but finds expression at all times of history. And then skipping down a bit, the idealist interpretation in which the beast finds expression is the socio-cultural, economic, and political arena of all human activities since the existence of man. And best describes the scriptural perspective of the beast. This brings to light the scriptural fact that the governments of the nations are puppets in the hands of this beast, consistent with the truth that the whole world system is under the dragon, the god of this world. Unquote. So says Wikipedia. Now, I wish I could claim credit for discovering what I believe is this generation's meaning of 666. But in fact, I first heard it many years ago from a messianic Jewish broadcaster, the late great Zola Levitt. Zola Levitt was on cable TV. He was on, uh, uh, probably on the internet, although back then I didn't listen to him there. He would go off to Israel and broadcast from um, ancient digs. Uh, he was very interested in the archaeology of um, of Israel. He was very interested in um, the roots of Judaism in the in the understanding of Christianity. And uh, he was a very very smart man. And when he told this, gave his explanation, his canny explanation for six six six, I was impressed. And you might be too. When, It'll be clear to you when you hear it that the beast named 666 um, may have already captured the world. Now, his supposition begins with a fact about the Hebrew alphabet, that each letter also has a number value, as I was saying earlier, such that the first letter is also the number one, the second letter is also the number two, and so on. But when you come to the sixth letter, Vav, you find something very interesting about Hebrew because Hebrew has no letter W. So Vav, the sixth letter, substitutes for W as well. And that means, in Hebrew, 666 means WWW, the World Wide Web, which, of course, is the Internet. Now, if you look on the Internet itself, and you look this stuff up in Wikipedia and other sources, if you Google it, you'll find stories about giant computers in Belgium or Texas that were called the beast. The idea of an all-invasive supercomputer. And it was uh, became part of a movie called The Rapture. In fact, The Rapture probably inspired those false stories that actually made it into the news uh, today, there's a hit television show called Person of Interest with uh, competing supercomputers, one good and one evil, uh, both designed to monitor and um, to some extent control the behavior of mankind. But that's not what we're talking about here. It's not a machine. It's not the computer itself. It's the Internet itself. And more and more each day, the Internet is the manifestation of mankind. 
First, let me say the Internet has made itself incredibly valuable as a source for information and communication of all sorts. Well, this very program, NDE Radio, would probably not exist if it weren't for the Internet. We are so thoroughly caught up in, as well as caught up by, this 666 web that uh, we hardly know from day to day uh, how impactful it is on us and on our society. So for a moment, let me reflect on some of the ways the web serves the dark side of things. Its biggest commercial use, uh, to begin with, was pornography. To that was added violent, erotic, and addictive games, gambling, false advertising, and so on. And then there are the lies the Internet provokes. Lying is so easy on the Internet. Uh, in social networking like Facebook, in propaganda, both political uh, and religious propaganda, in spying and selling things, uh, Craigslist and uh, eBay, um, and religious and political sites uh, employ lies and uh, try to fool the people all the time, even on Wikipedia where opinions can run roughshod over uh, more responsibly vetted sources. You know, back in the old days, when you turned to the Encyclopedia Britannica, for instance, there were lists of footnotes, lists of um, authorities cited, and you could trust those uh, for the most part. Uh, there may be footnotes in Wikipedia, but uh, you don't always know uh, what they mean. Lying is... Uh, the child of Satan, they say. They say Satan is the father of lies. And lying is perhaps the most corrosive thing in, in a world that is uh, yearning for the truth. So if Satan is the father of lies, then we might also add that the Internet is their current mother. Lies can kill, and it's not only that the Internet has become the showcase for ISIS beheadings, Teenagers have committed murders and suicides over the lying and bullying that takes place every day on Facebook and other social media. One reason is the anonymity the Internet provides. It's the perfect performance space for bullies and crooks, seducers and thieves, and it has brought many people to ruin. Perhaps the most insidious, however, is the addictive nature of the beast. Human beings are prone to addiction. They may be addicted to uh, substance abuse. They may be addicted to um, uh, repetitive behaviors. Uh, but we, for every person, I believe, there is some sort of an addiction out there and available, and um, especially available on the Internet. As human beings are prone to addiction, and addiction being a major destroyer of the free will God gave us, uh, well, name your weakness and the beast will provide it. Is it pornography? The Internet's got 10,000 sites for every taste. Are you drawn to gambling, poker, horse races, any kind of betting, whatever? The beast is there to serve you and take your money as well. Other games are built on repetitious but repetitious behavior designed to addict. And I think that this form of addiction is probably the least understood by uh, 
the people that are addicted to it, they think they're just playing whatever, Angry Birds for fun, but they play it and they play it and they play it for hours at a time. Guaranteed, there is a game out there just waiting to attach itself to your uh, way of reacting and steal hours from you every day. And addictions can be even more subtle than that. Addictions, you think, are simply part of life, like social media interplay, Facebooking, texting, tweeting, YouTube exchanges. Uh, people are addicted to news sources, read news constantly. Addictions uh, can be attached to the following of the financial markets. Uh, people even get addicted to seeking out uh, YouTube facsimiles of the cuteness of puppies and kittens. Whatever saps your time and the will to do uh, worthwhile work, the work God gave us to do, the work of helping one another, well, that's basically, uh, at least if you're into the Bible side of this, it's the goal of the beast. Through its addictive content, the Internet has disrupted community in profound ways that hardly get a second look. Uh, for one thing, we don't get together as much as we used to anymore. Uh, any kind of community activity, even going to the movies, is, has, uh, is falling by the wayside. But people going to, to uh, clubs, to organizations, to meetings, I don't know if it's affected AA or not, but it certainly has uh, affected many other community uh, activities like going to church on Sunday. Um, fewer and fewer people are actually getting together one-on-one in the same room and uh, talking about or listening to uh, things that they can interact with and and catch the responses of one another. Well, I walked through a cafeteria the other day at my hospital, and as always, I noticed people sitting together but not talking together. Instead, they were looking, they were each on their smartphones, and texting or tweeting or buying or selling, whatever. What they weren't doing was looking into the eyes of the person right in front of them. Now, if you think Satan broke the trust in communication between Adam and Eve, well, welcome to this 21st century garden of lost souls. We need to read the uh, facial expressions. We need to hear the nuanced changes and tones of voice. We need to experience touch and shared environment, and shared ideas with each other and in order to fully communicate. The electronic facsimile the Internet provides makes for powerful misunderstandings, uh, hurtful phrases, uh, you know, little smiley faces do not communicate uh, what, you, what your smile on your face would communicate in person. And it makes it far too easy for people, for governments, for corporations to lie to us about the state of the world. Fear and paranoia, rather than love and understanding, are abroad in the land and much of it is fueled today by the power of the Internet. And what about uh, what about the dreaded mark of the beast people talk about so much? Well, you'll recall the passage reads, He also caused everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to obtain a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And I guess that was the, what the... Uh, that killer in Omaha was trying to accomplish for himself. 
by carving that mark on his forehead. Thus, no one was allowed to buy or sell things unless he bore the mark of the beast, that is, his name or his number. Well, is this uh, the thing that we should fear? Already, very little gets bought or sold these days without the involvement of 666, when you consider that as the World Wide Web. Any sale by way of credit or debit card and almost all restocking of store shelves, um, communications between truckers and pe- people that run the trains and and uh, flights of FedEx, er- everything that is moving goods and services involves internet transactions so the mark we fear already is uh, in our is in our pockets or on our smartphones the new credit cards come with built-in chips and stores aspire to the next generation of setups where the buyer where you and i will be scanned from a distance at the point of purchase but you know interestingly um, what seems closest to the mark of the beast as understood in the bible uh, these days is Disney World, where you must now wear a plastic bracelet with an embedded chip uh, in order to enter the parks and to facilitate buying in the parks. They put this on you when you when you uh, go to Disney World, and it stays on you night and day, uh, and it's uh, it's used constantly. Um, but to keep people from sharing bracelets or exchanging them with one another, you must also submit to a thumbprint scan when you go in to the park, along with a bracelet chip. You push your Mickey Mouse against their Mickey Mouse. You put your thumb on their scanner to confirm who you are. And this also transfers information about your purchase. Oh, and by the way, the Disney Corporation knows from your chip bracelet exactly where you are on their property any time they want to check. Well, what are we to make of this? At some point, no doubt, the convenience of a tiny embedded chip in your right hand might well uh, win the hearts and minds of many of the world's shoppers. Of course, bear in mind, you will always be trackable. You can always be monitored. These chips will grow in sophistication. They may even be able to listen in on your conversations. Uh, They'll carry your health information, your insurance information, and uh, thereby expose you to the manipulations of uh, the Internet by governments and corporations and anyone else with a vested interest in knowing where you go, what you buy, what your financial and health records have to say about you. Bear in mind, knowledge is power, it's been said, and right now there are many agencies that want to know as much about you as they possibly can. And the pressure they might apply could be enormous. Refuse the chip. You could be denied credit. You could be not denied a driver's license. You could be denied a passport. The past, new passports, by the way, already contain chips of their own. And conceivably, you could be labeled a subversive terrorist. But why refuse it, you ask? After all, with smartphones and credit cards, the Internet already knows where we go and what we do. So why would a convenient chip implant be of any harm? They'd be useful in catching criminals, locating uh, missing persons, identifying soldiers killed in battle, 
wouldn't all these benefits outweigh the loss of privacy we've already pretty much given up on? Well, in ancient days, the days of Rome, slaves were marked with a tattoo on their hand or forehead with to signify their existence as someone else's property. The Bible tells us we cannot serve two masters, and such a mark signals we are, in fact, stolen property, stolen from God and stolen from ourselves. God, by the way, has taken a lot of heat in recent years for giving us too much freedom. Many of us apparently want to be owned by someone who will provide us with comfortable accommodations and predictable workloads. Sadly, most people would opt for that any day of the week rather than freedom from the financial and political hierarchy who seem to dearly want to control our thinking, our behavior, and our productivity. But this is how the 666 prophecy tells us the Internet beast will serve the first beast, the beast that comes out of the sea, the Antichrist. We can't say we haven't been warned. Ironically, though, it's the Internet that provides the only free speech platform for the little guy to speak out against the Antichrist forces in the world that seek to enslave us. It's more than likely that in a world where the top 1% controls the major news sources, in a world where the courts rule over uh, rule that only money is free speech, that the Internet may get reined in more and more as an outlet for alternative opinion. Finally, I'd be remiss not to point out how dependent we have made ourselves on the Internet's conveniences. They say human knowledge doubles every 18 months or so, but much of that gain is mainly Internet-related. One well-aimed solar flare, an enemy's nuclear electromagnetic attack, and it would be far worse than the ancient world's burning of the Library of Alexandria. Art and literature, scientific research, and much of the collective aspirations of this generation all deleted, all fried. If that should come to pass, won't we think to ourselves as we huddle against the cold in some cave somewhere that we might have done better without so much reliance on the beast? Well, thanks for considering my take on the book of Revelations, chapter 13. If you'd like to listen to this or any other of our NDE radio shows, just go to nderadio.org. And for more information about near-death experience and similar related events, check out the International Association for Near-Death Studies website at iands.org. And be with us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE radio. Thanks for listening.